Mikey, what's going on, man? Welcome to the show, bro. Ah, what's going on, brother? Thank you. Yeah, I know. I was saying offline, we've been trying to do this for, uh, I think, over a year. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That'll be a good that'll be a good telling for how this interview is going to go. Good things take hey, a long time to happen, huh? 100%. I mean, hey, look, for everyone that's listening, I want everyone to really listen to that a whole year because a lot of people who start podcasts, uh, they, they, I always get the question of how do you get guests and what do you do? And I'm like, just uh, consistency. Obviously, don't be annoying, but you yeah. know, pop up in different areas. And I've, I've ran into you a couple of times, heard a lot of amazing things about you. So I'm genuinely excited to uh, you know, have a sit down with you. Me too. Hell yeah. I'm glad, I'm glad this thing ended up, I'm glad you didn't give up on me. <laughs> <laughs> no, man, yeah. I have, I have a list of people I really want to talk to because they've lived cool lives and like, yeah. um, have interesting stories. And to me, man, like that's, I mean, I've had, it's normal. Like I've had interviews take eight months to book and that's fine. I mean, I just kind of, I let life do its thing. Well, right. Yeah. And I think it, I think it says a lot about you. It's termination yeah. right there. <laughs> yeah. I let life do its thing. Anyway, man. Well, hey, this is uh, we're living through weird times right now, huh? Yes, <laughs> that's a good way to say it. Yes, yes, yeah. these are times that I think are you know I, I've been seeing people like kind of mention this on social media, like our kids and their kids are going to be asking about asking us about this time. Twenty twenty is going to be a year we definitely talk about. Yeah, so, that's right. How how's like how's it been with you? Like how's the business adapting? You know, with everything you're doing. Um. So. Uh, I mean, overall good. Um, as far as commune, uh, there were kind of two parts of it. One, our actual business, uh, you know, we had to go digital, which we were, we are normally in an office. So there was kind of that transition and then kind of the two sides for people who don't know, I'm a real estate investor. We run a real estate fund. And so one part of this transition was making sure our current holdings were positioned through uh, what was going to be, or it still is uncertain time. And then the other component of it is we think there's going to be big opportunity. So making sure we're good and then are able to participate. Set yourself up for well. tomorrow. That's right. That's right. So, um, on that end, uh, overall, overall it's been good. Um, I have a <laughs> skateboard brand, which is smaller, but it's called sovereign. That was mm -hmm. a little bit harder because the majority of our business is done retail. So, uh, uh that one that one we felt more than commune it took a hit it it just it, it's the ripple effect of yeah you know we 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 send product out and we have terms for stores to pay us on our product and we use that payment to then pay our manufacturer for making the boards and if the shops aren't buying that means we don't have money to pay the manufacturer or pay employees and then everybody's at a halt it's it's watching the whole supply chain being disrupted not just uh, a specific business you know so we had we had two months of basically on ice yeah. and then now kind of as things are starting to move uh we're starting to get orders again and uh we should be able to get through it but i will say we're a smaller company so mm -hmm. th that actually kind of helped in, in this environment i think when you're small it's a little bit easier to to be nimble and and, and yeah. that's right mm -hmm. that's right so yeah, you kind of. So just like, it's just so interesting. The biggest company I have, uh, mm. which is is what I spend the majority of my time on, uh, not a huge impact. The smallest company I have, <laughs> hardest hardest hit. <laughs> you know. Well, I mean, I mean, real estate is. Uh, I, th I think real estate is one of the you know, uh, assets that will always kind of be there. Uh, you know, and it's kind of like investing into like like getting silver. Or, or I was actually just having a conversation with this about some, with someone. Uh, like, what would you do? Let's say, for example, like, what if, uh, like, seriously, what if, like, a zombie apocalypse happens? You know, and it's not that it will happen, but the 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 version of a zombie apocalypse in this real world is basically, look what's going on. We're quarantined. Right. You know, right. martial law might happen. I don't know. Crazy things going on. And now with people being curfewed. And so what if the economy once gets to a point where, you know, everything eats shit? How do you trade? And so... I, I kind of came down to silver and real estate is what I was thinking, but what what are your thoughts on that? If we get to like zombie apocalypse style, yeah, I mean, it's just like yeah, it gets to a point where the economy like you can't trade anymore with the dollar. Uh, huh. from an investor question. standpoint, what do you what do you see? Like, what would you what do you think at well, that point we, would be valuable to trade with? 
Well, look, if we get to that point, yeah. uh, I don't even know if real estate does anything. Mm. Uh, the only thing that you're able to trade is whatever we perceive as value, right? So as long as we- Interesting, like, okay. So, so, why, so do, why do you say real like, estate real estate's not? Well, what are you going to trade for? Huh, okay. What are you going to use your real estate to trade for? Is real estate the currency? I don't think so. I think real estate is is the the asset that you place currency in, right? But it what you're okay. talking about is like what do we trade with? So that that yeah. to me is means what becomes our currency and what are people willing to take in exchange for something else, right? Yeah. So if we get to that point, I don't even know if real estate is, is safe. <laughs> you know, I, I, I don't know. I think that's, I, I think the issue in front of us is probably uh, even larger than that. Well, I mean, that's, that's more of like a, but I will say this, I, I, this is a total, we're speculating here. I don't know. Yeah. Like, yeah. 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 You know, if, if I guess. Yeah. This is pure opinion. Think, this is, has nothing, there's no fact to this. Or, yeah. I, I think what I think is, if we went to a full like uh, real shit hits the fan and, and it is like apocalypse style, uh, I don't think our dollar means anything. Gold, I guess, would be the backup. That's what I would assume it to be. But we, we, we came up with silver, by the way. Did you? Why silver over gold? And, I, and I'll, I'll, I'll hedge by saying currency is not my like gold, silver. I, I, I don't I'm, I'm have not, an in-depth not... knowledge of it. Me neither, but the person I was sitting down with had a pretty valid uh, argument. And what I what I remember, at least from the bits and pieces of it, is that at the end of the day, silver will always hold its value because of uh, the way. The, again, I'm not educated at all, but what I remember is like the mineral of it. I don't know. I just something weighs more than gold at the end of the day. Like if it really gets to a point where we can only trade with like material or whatever we have, like go back to the old, like you know the the freaking uh, days where nothing, none of this existed, then silver always outweighs it. Her reasoning was very intriguing and long, but I was kind of like, huh, silver. I never thought it. People would automatically assume gold is like. That's what I would, yeah, that's what I would assume. Yeah. Yeah, send me that article or send me that interview. Or that yeah, 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 yeah. I'll, 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 I'll check it. Yeah, for sure. I'll, I'll, I'll definitely send it over to you. So okay. dude, I'm curious from like an investor standpoint, because you, you dabble into a lot of deals. Uh, you for sure done a lot of fun stuff you've enjoyed you've i mean just in your like your, your professional skateboarding life i'm sure you've done some interesting deals there too yeah um how how do you approach uh a how do you structure a deal in your head like how do you structure an investment how do you make the decision whether or not something good for you or bad uh it's a great question um I, I mean at the core of it and we'll go into more detail but at the core of it i guess at the simplest form, I'm trying to gauge risks versus reward and how great of okay. exposure I'm taking by doing it and what my potential upside is. Uh, the challenge is it's, it's like talking about something more specific. If it's something like real estate, it's in my eyes much easier to make a decision uh, because you, you, how could you say it? Uh, you're the numbers are deciding you're, you're not basing you're not trying to create an idea right you're looking at an asset how an asset performs and you have some variance to go okay worst case scenario this is going to be what i possibly lose if the deal doesn't pencil and this is what my upside is with real estate it's i believe more difficult to just lose money on so it, i just let the numbers decide mostly with real estate when it comes to like investing in a startup i think that's harder because it, it the I, it, the numbers aren't even there you're guessing on the numbers you're guessing on so much of how it's going to play out and if i'm investing in something like that truthfully i usually invest on the person you know i i, I need oh. to like the idea but i i i truthfully need to feel like the person running it is capable of bringing the idea to life. Uh, are are and, you the type of are you the type of guy that looks at a, a, a specific industry for investments, or do you are you open to any creative ideas? Um, I try to stick with what I know. Um, yeah. And and so, where can I go? Okay, if we go through my portfolio, the majority of my portfolio is in real estate. I have a I small that. percentage that is in startups. And even the money I have in startups is out of the one, I don't know, I have about six companies that I'm invested in. 
uh, I know every person personally, and oh. with half of them, I'm involved in helping market and, and bring uh, exposure to those brands. Um, I have a hard time just investing when I don't get to meet the person or don't know the person. It's a little bit harder for me. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, dude, I get. I, I guess at the end of the day, it just comes down to <laughs> the belief in somebody making it happen. So and then, when, and then also that I I, I I guess it can't just be that simple. But really, when you're looking at a deal, this is what happens, right? You look at their whole pitch deck, which brings you all the information on what they're doing, the industry that they're doing it in, what type of buyers are in that industry, what the growth is like, etc. Right? So you have some type of metrics to be able to gauge if this product will even exist or thrive potentially. But at the end of the day, you're still, you're still putting your trust in the person that's going out and making it happen. And so I think that's why I always tend to, I guess, call it bet on the jockey. Uh, I, I've so got to have a the, belief the that that person, person outweighs the plan more for me, agree? for me, but okay. in real estate, it's different. That's why I kind of said with startups I on, okay. on my end, you could have a phenomenal idea. You could have a great idea. I am not investing in the idea. I have yeah. to invest in the person, but the person has to have a great idea, if that makes sense. No, I get it. I get it. Yeah. It comes down though. Can you execute the idea? Because a lot of people have ideas. It's that's right. And, and, <laughs> and that's the hardest part about it. Putting it to yeah. life is so hard. Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, is it? I mean, like, so I, I was actually, I've, I've been talking about this in the past couple of podcasts. Like, is putting things to life hard or do we make it harder on ourselves? Oh, uh, well, through my experience, yeah. it's hard. <laughs> it's, it's, there's a grind, right? But what I'm, what I'm maybe just to explain it a little bit more so you're not so confused. I look at business from the people I've interviewed and the people I've had discussions with and the sit downs that I've had. Um, it seems, and just me doing it behind the scenes, it seems as a very step by step, not, it's not clear, but it's, it's logical, a lot of it. And it's mathematical, a lot of formulas, a lot of numbers, a lot of, you know, twists and turns. And really, it's like, just do this, take this step, and you get this result. What happens, though, I've realized is, is we're the ones that slow ourselves down. Because we start to, the hard part is the emotions we go through and the things we have to endure. Yes, I, I can't go against that. I, I, agree, <laughs> I totally agree. Um, I think the the hard part that I've always... I guess faced, and I will say the reason why I love it so much is oh. you're you're always at this this crossroads, especially in the early phases of you have the idea, you have to bring the idea to life, and you have to grow it at a point where you don't have all of the people to truly grow it. So you have all you have all these people wearing different hats, doing too many things while you're trying to create process as you're trying to get brand exposure, as you, it, it's almost like there's always this fake it till you make it stage in the beginning. And that yeah. is the hardest part to me. And so, you know, no, I don't think the bringing it to life is the hard part for me. It's everything that goes towards once you launch to get this thing to some type of stability is the hard part for, at least through my personal experience. Does it ever get easier? No. <laughs> well, I shouldn't say that. I, I shouldn't say that. That's, that's not fair to say. It, it's for anyone who has kids. I, this is the, the closest thing I can compare it to. When you have your first kid, you are, you don't know what you're doing, right? You're like, what the hell is happening? This is crazy. I'm not equipped for this. There's this panic. I, this feeling of like, I've ruined my life. Nothing's ever going to get better, right? Then you have your second kid. And having two kids is so much harder than having one, but you're more prepared because you've already gone through one. So that's, that to me is kind of how all the new businesses I start uh, from this point on, it doesn't get easier, but I have more knowledge uh, to put towards a more complex thing because what I don't think you should do is just like keep doing the same thing. I think as you gain experience, you should always be doing something that's more challenging and why I think it doesn't necessarily get easier. You just get more equipped to handle the harder challenge. Yeah, I mean, that's basically, I guess, the way you can explain all that is, is there's stages to it, right? There's levels right. to it. 
Yeah. There's levels to it, but this is the thing, right? right? Like, let's say you make it to level 10. Let's say you're, you're playing the game, get to level 10, the game's over, right? Uh-huh. Well, nine times out of 10, we're not going to go back and play the same game. We're going to play a new game and start at level one again, right? Uh, but, maybe but that we game know is just more. as hard. Yeah, yeah, that's what I think. But we just know I how mean, to use what the was, controller better. <laughs> that's right. And it's like, yeah. it, 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 that's exactly right. That's exactly yeah. right. Yeah, you nailed it. Interesting way to look at it. I, I did. I, I've never thought of it like that. I just. I would. I would just assume that you know, the more you grow as an entrepreneur, the more resource resources you have. And so, how about speed? What about speed? Does it get faster? Oh, okay. So, that's a good point. The the that's actually a really good point. So you do make more relationships. You do have more resources. That is a hundred percent true. Uh, so I guess I will say there's parts about it that are easier um yeah. but it's still really hard <laughs> yeah well business is not black and white yeah so that's why yeah. it's like yeah and, of, and uh, you know what and, and i will say this, this this could be maybe from my experience and the way i've gone about it it's like you know my beginning stages of entrepreneurship it's like skateboard company craft brewery private equity fund like they're three totally different things. Yeah. And so there's been, even though I've had more resources, there's been such this learning curve of, of a totally different thing. Um, so I think that's maybe why I'm like, no, this is like equally as hard, but the, the panic isn't there. The, the like, holy shit, the, the walls are caving in. I'm screwed. That, that goes away. Now it's like, this is really hard, but I love it. We're going to get through this. And these are the things we need to do, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But you're still cracking a code. It's like you're still trying to solve problems. Usually the next business you start is in a different time. People have changed. Consumer habits have changed. There's new ways to do things. So it's it, – I don't think we're ever going to be at a place where it's just plug and play anymore. It's just – it's our world is changing too fast. Like if, like if we, if we did a, a crap – quick, man. A hundred percent. That's exactly right. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, – we're – I was uh, listening to a, I actually mentioned this last podcast an hour ago. I was listening to a Joe Rogan's podcast with Elon Musk and dude, the guy was talking mm. about, did you listen to it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the stuff he's talking about with the AI connectivity with yeah. the neural networks. What the? Yeah, the Neuralink. Yeah, five years, man. Crazy, right? Crazy. That, that, that just, just, just like, think about that for a second. Like, imagine, imagine doing this without saying a single word. But everyone understands what's happening. I know, I know, I know. It's crazy. It's truly crazy. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy, man. You know, I, I know, feel I, like I, I, I was listening to that whole thing. Well, his first interview he did with Joe Rogan, or the, the one before where you're smoking weed, and he started talking about Neuralink. Yeah. Yeah. That one, I was listening, going, "What the hell is happening? This is yeah. out of this world." This new one was a little bit easier for me to hear. Okay, okay, okay. Like, I get what you're saying. Like, you know. And, and, and just to think, the brains on that guy, man. Like, he, yeah. I noticed he can't have a, uh, and I can't wait till I sit down with him and pick his mind. He can't have a, I don't know how to explain it. Like, he can't have a normal conversation. Like, uh, every time Joe tried to talk to him about anything human related, he would start talking about something 10 times more sophisticated than a normal average human could understand. I'm like, what is this? How does this guy think? Yeah. It's, it's, um, the answer is he's, 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 he's thinking on a different level, man. He's, yeah. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, which is, which is why I said there's levels to this game, man. Yeah. And he's just on his all level of his own. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's insane. So, dude, so you were, you were in skateboarding for quite a while, huh? Yeah. That's where it all started for me. Yeah. yeah 15. Cool. I, well, I, I skated for about 20, 22 years i was pro for about 15 of them yeah no i you know what's funny about a skateboard i suck at it i'm 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 literally trash i always admire skateboarders but i could never do it i tried it's hard dude it's one of those things where it is not easy even as a pro skateboarder it's not easy it's just a difficult <laughs> thing you know no, i i failed horribly with I, I just don't know how to use i can use my hands i just don't know how to use my legs for some weird it's weird i feel are you, you. are you, are you, you good with your hands are you good with your hands I am. What's weird is I never felt oh. like I was good with my feet. Like when I was really? a kid and like would play sports, like I could play like baseball and basketball. I couldn't play soccer at all. Yeah. 
so I just fell in love with skating. Like, it was like, it, 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 for me, it was just the, it was, it was the obsession about it. And then just the amount of time I put in where you, you eventually just figure it out, you know, but like to learn how to skate, like kind of to your point, like, you know, I spent, when I first started skating, I spent every second of the day that I could skateboard skateboarding and did that for 22 years, it, wow. every single day, all day wow. long. So like the 10,000 hour rule, uh, I, I did that twice over. Like, you know, it's, it's, it was just wow. a time thing for me, but like, I couldn't skate in the beginning. I was terrible. I was the worst at all my friends for like the first 10 years of me skateboarding. All of my friends were- Why'd you start? Why'd you start? Um, I started because one of my, my Is it peer pressure? was like really, no, I, uh, one of the cool kids had a skateboard and I wanted to <laughs> That's it. It was that simple. And it you know, I was in like, it turned into a I, whole career. Jeez. Yeah. It turned into a lot. Yeah. But it, I, you know, I was seventh grade, I think seventh grade, sixth or seventh grade and just trying to fit in. Yeah, no, I, I, I just, I, I never, I've tried so many times to, to use a skateboard. I don't understand how you guys, uh, like gravitated off the ground. How the, how the hell do you do that? Like, what's the technique behind all that? It's actually, I have boards back here. It's, it's, <laughs> so there, so look, you have a board, right? Yeah. Back foot here, front foot here. Okay. Yeah. You kick the tail, which gives you the leverage. And then your front foot, you slide up and put your weight forward and you do it all as you're jumping. So if this is my feet, it's, it's that, it's like a weight transfer almost. Uh -huh. You know what I'm saying? And, and you got to do that in like seconds, like milliseconds, not even. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Hell yeah. 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 That's the hardest thing about skating, man. It's just like, you know. So what about, what about like the, the kick flips and the, the tricks that you guys, like, it's all, it's all pressure. It's all within the, it's all within the, the way you move the skateboard with your. So the, the cool thing about skating is it's really hard and takes a lot of time to get to a certain point. And then you get to a certain point where you just have to think of the trick and then put the time in because there's only so many ways the board can flip. So you get to a point where it's like, okay, how could I do this flip trick into a different move? You know? So it just becomes more of a, a creative process. Once you get to a certain point. Are there like, you know, do you, do you guys just create your own tricks? I mean, I'm sure there's a book of trick, like, like general things that people do, but you guys have your own custom creative methods. That usually uh, skateboarders come up with? There were for a long time, and then it kind of got to a point where everything had been done. And then uh, randomly, you'll see somebody do a trick that's never been done, but it doesn't happen that, that often anymore. Uh, There's just only so much you can do. So basically with skating, it's like they'll, they'll do a trick on a bigger obstacle. So like maybe just for simplicity, like a 50-50 grind had only been done down a five-stair handrail. Well, somebody will go and do it down an eight stair and then somebody will go do it down a 12 stair. And that's kind of how they progress the sport is they do a difficult trick on a scarier object. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's so, that's so nuts. I was watching a video on YouTube with this guy uh, who's jumped off like massive amount of stairs. I was into parkour growing up. So I always found these tricks to be pretty interesting. I mean, with my body, I understand how to move it, but having a thing with, wheels under you just ah it's like it yes yeah. it's slippery yeah yep that's right <laughs> that's absolutely so, right dude so when you got when you got into skateboarding uh did you think it was going to become a career for you like or were you just doing it just for fun just because like as you said the cool kids were doing it uh i originally did it just for fun uh, and uh. then it, it, I became so obsessed with it that I just didn't want it to end. And kind of when my parents started applying pressure that I needed to get a job, uh, I didn't want to work yet. I wanted to keep skating. And my solution to not having to work was to convince companies to give me free product and then basically take that product and sell it to people. So I could have some money. And so that was like the original idea. I went out and tried to get sponsors, ended up getting a couple sponsors, which held my parents over for about two more years until I was supposed to graduate and go to college. Uh, and I still wasn't ready to stop skating. So uh, I convinced my parents basically, I, I guess at that point I didn't need to, but uh, I didn't want it. I didn't want it to end. So I convinced these companies to start paying me and, and that worked. And I used college as my leverage. I was just like, Hey, I love doing this. Like, I know I have something here. You guys give me free stuff to, because of it. But 
I've got to go to college, which is going to mean I can't skate anymore. So the only way I can not go to college and keep skating is if you pay me. I just, I can't do it if you guys don't. And two companies bit gave me like, uh, the shoe company I rode for was Duff's. They gave me like 500 bucks. And then I had another company that gave me 350 bucks. So it was like, you know, I was, I was sailing just under a thousand bucks a month and, and life was good. I mean, hey, you figured out you figured out a way to continue to love what you to do what you love. I mean, that's the yeah. the most important part. So, where did the uh, the the shift happen where you started to take it like really like just okay, this is like going to be a career and I'm going to kill it. Um, so, I started getting photos in magazines. I started traveling. Uh, started getting uh, uh, video clips and and videos, and people started paying attention to who I was. And so I was like, okay, cool. Like, you know, I'll try to do something with this, but it, it hadn't crossed over to like the point of like, this is my career. It was just like, I have an opportunity. It, I got to a point where my shoe sponsor wanted to give me, give me my own signature shoe. And that's like the, that's the biggest accomplishment that skaters could have is to have your own shoe. And so that was the point of me. I was like, holy shit, this is serious. You know, yeah. and then once I got my own shoe, I was introduced to more of the the business of skateboarding, where it came to creating a product, marketing a product, which the better I could market and resonate, the more sales that that, that shoe would sell, which meant more money for myself. And yeah. I started really, really liking that side of it. And it was right around the time I got my first shoe where I was like, I'm going to start looking at this as a business, even myself, like as a pro skateboarder. Uh, I'm going to start paying attention to how I can grow my brand, how I can relate to more people, how I can do my craft better and ultimately expand what I was doing. So what shifted once that mindset kicked in? So how did you start to view life differently versus what you did beforehand? Um, well, beforehand, it was like same mentality of me being a kid. It was just, I'm just skating. That's all. I'm doing ah, this because okay. I love it. You know, when I got my, when I got my first shoe, the way I started looking at it was what can I do to increase exposure? What video parts can I put out? What photos can I get? What demos can I do? What about myself can I put out there to grow my audience so that I could sell more product? And it just became more of a, uh, how would you say it? There became more of a strategy behind it than just, I'm just going to go out and skate. You know, even to like the way I put together video parts, it was, it was a little bit more, uh, there was, I, I guess I just put more thought and, and there was more of a reason of doing what, what I was doing. So like you started to do things on purpose rather than just, uh, uh, yeah. just wanting to skate for skating. That's right. Yeah, that's right. And, and also too, right around that same time, something happened. And I think this is very common for athletes, but like skateboarding started as a passion for me. I just mm -hmm. did it because I loved it. And then yeah. it turned into a career because I didn't want it to end. But when something, when a passion turns into a career, it changes. You, it doesn't mm -hmm. become what it once was. And in that you see a lot of athletes start hating what they're doing because they lost the, the thing that originally brought their love to it. And that happened for me as well. And, and when my shoe came out, it was this new love for the business side of skateboarding that brought this new passion behind skating for me. And I remember there was this moment where like, I, I stopped enjoying what I was doing. I was getting pissed every time I was skate. I was breaking a ton of boards. But once I started enjoying the business side, it, it brought this new fire uh, kind of up under me in which I really started enjoying skating for a new reason. So did you ever have a point in your life where you felt kind of uh, lost, I would say, because you're, you've invested most of your life into this skateboard and I mean, times came that were uneasy and you had to shift and change your method. I mean, that right there, you're telling me that that moment in your life where you started hating things. How did you overcome all that? Like a lot of people, a lot of people give up in those moments, you know? So that's a very important, crucial time in your life. So there's two, there were two pivotal moments for me. Uh, one was that when that happened, when I was skating and yeah. it was like, I had this moment that it, it was very clear. I was at one of my sponsors was having a Christmas party and mm -hmm. the company was here. We were staying at a hotel down the street and a bunch of us ended up just walking home from the party to the hotel. 
and it's two, three in the morning. I'm walking home. I don't know why this happened, but all of a sudden I started thinking about myself, thinking about my life, who I was. And the only thing I can explain was I was disappointed in who I was. I kept telling myself like, this is not who I'm supposed to be. I'm not supposed to hate my life. I'm not supposed to be this person who just complains and is ungrateful. Like this isn't who I'm meant to be. And it was like such this real moment that like I ended up sitting down. I was with like 12 people. They kept going. They didn't realize this happened. I'm sitting down. I'm under this street light. It's like the most like unreal, like movie moment. And I'm like in tears about this. I'm sorry. <laughs> You're good. Very pretty. I will come out right when I'm done. Can you close the door though, cutie? Thank you. So a little, and, little uh, commercial from your uh, favorite sponsor, huh? That that's that's <laughs> life during COVID with kids. I love it. I love uh, it. So so basically, I had this moment where I was like, I hate everything about my life right now, and I kind of just made the choice to change it. It was just a, like, I hate this. I don't want to be this anymore. Tomorrow, I'm going to begin becoming something new, and and I remember waking up and like thinking, okay. I'm changed. And it wasn't like that. It was very small changes that ended up compounding on each other that ended up becoming massive down the line. But I remember in the beginning, it was like, I had this problem with complaining about things. And I was like, okay, everything that happens, I'm going to force myself to find one good thing in the situation. E even if I'm reaching and they're truly like, it, it, it's a stretch, I'm still going to do it. And basically what ended up happening is I stopped having to try so hard to be thankful. It, it almost just became part of my outlook. And mm. that was, that was the, the, the beginning stages of me changing. When my career ended is where the next big change happened and by far the largest change. And that kind of ties into more of what you just talked about, where uh, my identity was taken. It, it, everything that I was, that I felt, that I believed in, my family, my friends, my purpose, gone. And that is where I had to, uh, I mean, ultimately I had to make a choice because I was in a very, uh, uncomfortable is not the right word. I, I, I was in a, a, a moment where I had to choose if this was going to basically cripple me or, or define me. And, mm. and it started with the choice and, and through there, it took a lot of time working through a lot of insecurities and problems with myself that I didn't even realize were there. It, it, it was like, a, I guess I could explain it as I was brought to my knees and had to learn how to walk again, how to learn how to run again. And, and ultimately mm. that led to me becoming comfortable with who I truly am, not this fake comfort that I thought I had as a pro skateboarder. And, and it was that moment that forced me to go through it. So the career shift the career shift was, you to understand all this. The career shift is what put me in the position to be forced <laughs> to understand this. I, before it, it wow. and what's interesting is I had already gone through that first change, and that happened. When did that happen? Two thousand eight was that first mm -hmm. change, and through that there was about nine years of me getting better at myself, trying to be less selfish, trying to be more grateful, trying to like work on my mindset, my outlook, my perspective, et cetera. And before my career ended, the people, my peers and friends that knew me, they could see a totally different person in 2016 than they saw in 2007. Right. And so yeah. I felt like I was like pretty equipped to go through this. And then my career ended and it was, it, it, it was like I was starting over. It, 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 I think all of those things helped, but uh, I, I didn't get through it easy. It, it was, uh, I, 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 I have a hard time finding the right word. How, whatever word could describe the hardest thing I've ever done. <laughs> More mm -hmm. simply, that would be it, you know? So I'm curious, where does skateboarding fit in the ability for you to come to overcome this? Um, where did it kick in mentally where you probably recognize that, ah, you know, these morals I learned from the board that has helped me actually, you know, take the next step in my life. Uh, what happened for me is through this kind of time, uh, yeah. like really at the core of it, I didn't know my purpose. I, I, I didn't know why I was here. I, all of my purpose was in skateboarding prior. 
Huh. And when that thing goes away, uh, it, it's not like it's not like you've been brought down to level one. It's like you don't know what level you're at. You don't know what game you're playing. You don't know what up is. And and I think that's because you're stripped of 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 why you're here. Your purpose to wake up. Your purpose to continue life. What you're meant to do goes away. And mm. and for me, I thought it was skating. But through this, this time, I had to realize what my true purpose was. And I realized that it wasn't skating. Skating was just the thing I was doing at the moment that made me feel important or that I was living my purpose. It, it just wasn't truly it. And so I guess the first stage was me figuring out and being able to answer the question, why am I here? Why mm -hmm. am I put on this earth? What am I doing here? And then once I knew that, then all of the skills that I learned from skating really started showing themselves in me living out what I'm supposed to do. And, and even, even then it's like, there's so much stuff I've learned from skating that, that has become my strategic advantage now, but without knowing my purpose, none of it mattered. So what I notice of you is you have a, from what you've told me so far is you have a repetitive times where you put it into a corner and you made the decision to do something about it, which, Seems like the obvious path, but a lot of people don't. They mm -hmm. get stuck, they give up, they stop, they hate themselves for it. Um, what are your like two cents for someone who's going through that? Like what, what would you say to them? You know, if you were to look back 20 years today, like, you know, what's, what's the best piece of advice on just keeping going no matter how tough things may seem in front of you? So, this is this I can attribute to skateboarding. With skateboarding, uh, like you know, we touched on the learning process. How hard it is to learn. Yeah. Even once you become good at it, this is me doing it at my highest level, being a professional skateboarder, right? Yeah. And for us to go get a trick, like you started talking about tricks that have never been done. When we're filming something, we have to do a trick that hasn't been done on a certain spot, like a never been done trick. And so a lot of times that means, okay, I'm going to practice this trick every day for a month until I feel really comfortable in doing it. And then I'm going to go out and try to do the trick. And let's say it's a 12 stair. Okay. I'm going to try the trick for maybe three or four hours, jumping down a 12 stair, messing up. Right. And so with skating, you get very comfortable in this idea of I'm going to try this trick. I'm going to go to war. Everything about my everything in my body is telling me stop doing this you're hurting you're painful your your mind's playing tricks on you it's everything's telling you no and you have to push through it to be able to land the trick right and so mm -hmm. what happens is one we experience the joy that comes through suffering two this becomes an everyday process for us like us going through battle is constant and so what that then conditioned me to do is if something hurts and something's painful, I know that there's something great on the other end because I've already experienced that joy. So it, hmm. it's not so defeating, if that makes sense. If you haven't well, gone that. through that I though, that. if you haven't gone through that though, and, and we're met with pain, usually our go-to reaction is, oh my God, this hurts. I need to get away from this. This is bad. Protect protection, right? Mm -hmm. But but once you learn that that's that your body reacts in a way that is not what's best for you. It, it, it changes your perspective to go, okay, this isn't a time to retreat. This is actually a time to push forward, but it's not natural. It's unnatural. And, and unless you know that you usually just follow what your gut tells you, right? Most of it, oh, I'm just following my gut. Well, <laughs> if you break that down and, and, and even going into your subconscious, like pain, our, our, our mind, our mind really runs from pain, right? It, it, our mind is always trying to keep us safe, but in keeping us safe, it's keeping us comfortable as well. And there's no time in our life that we've made progress or improved in comfortable situations, right? We always mm -hmm. become great through hardship, through mm -hmm. discipline, through it, working out is a, is a perfect one, right? If you want to get in good shape, what's the process going to be like? going to be painful yeah what's the outcome going to be great right or you yeah. look at kids right like my daughter fell last week bust up her knee 
right? What she wants is don't touch it, just let it heal. I don't want to feel pain. What we know as parents is, babe, we've got to clean it. We've got to disinfect it. It's going to hurt, but it's going to be better because of it. So you have to just constantly be telling yourselves your gut reaction doesn't mean what's best. You know, you've, you've got to really push yourself through a scenario where your body's saying, no, nah, I don't want to do that. And now so we, we do, yeah, we do this on like an everyday level then. It's just, I guess an entrepreneurial, so it's just at a much higher capacity. That's right. That's right. And that's why I think like starting a business felt so comfortable for me because huh. I'm so used to a chaotic environment. I'm so used to <laughs> the majority of my time being spent in failure, right? I mean, yeah. just think about that, right? That's that's four hours of jumping off stairs, messing up, to yeah. land the trick. And to land the trick, that's five seconds in a video part. It, it makes no sense, right? But but that that kind of comfort, then moving into business, you know, when things aren't going right, I, I, I just look at it as comfortable. Yeah, things aren't going right. This is normal. This is what I have to figure out to get to the place I want to be. You know, but hmm. a lot of times we use things aren't working as a sign of somebody or something telling us this isn't working and we're not supposed to be doing this. That's so interesting. I, again, uh, hats off to you, man, because uh, I, I, I don't, I mean, I, I was into sports like that, but skateboarding for whatever freaking reasons, it's like, I liked watching it. It's cool to watch. Yeah. It's like, it's yeah. dope when you see a trick happen. Like, oh, that's sick. How you yeah. do it? I got no clue. Uh, yeah. I didn't even want to try. I wasn't, I wasn't even interested in it. However, you know, what's funny is I, I did, I did get on two wheels though on a motorcycle. So. <laughs> hey, oh, there I, you go. Got, dude, I'm into a little, it's, I, I don't know if you call it crazier, but I actually, I enjoy that um a lot like that like if, if i were to if i were to like do some sort of crazy sport professionally it would probably be writing okay yeah, yeah. that's what, uh, one thing i wasn't I, I never spent a lot of time on yeah no it's uh i'm sure you can it's I'm, I, maybe you can relate to this it's like the it's a very freeing feeling yeah yeah totally yeah, yeah 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 so that, that's awesome dude so you switch your career paths or at least you're forced to because your career is done mm -hmm. and now you're opening this new chapter in your life and everything is new you're now basically a newborn because beforehand you all you do was skateboarding and now you're like oh wow there's life out here you got yeah. no degree i mean but you sure you got i'm sure you got connections in your brand how does how does your brand come into your future now like what you've done because i'm sure like that didn't go to waste um no I, I, no, it didn't go to waste. Uh, but when my career ended, I thought I was going to just throw it away. It, 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 when my career ended, I was like, okay, all of my time has been spent building myself up as a skateboarder. Well, not a skateboarder anymore. Like I, I was seriously contemplating just getting rid of all of it. Instagram, Facebook, there's no point. And, oh, and, and then once, once I, when I started this, the new company I do, which is Commune, uh, a big, uh, motivation in creating it was helping other skaters plan for their future. And so oh. it, once I had the idea to do the company, then I started thinking of ways in which I could use my platforms to try to better this purpose in which I'm, I'm doing this. And mm -hmm. so I would say there's two parts in, in, in really how it helps. One, the impact that I'm able to make and giving back with if it's information or experience or uh, even promoting the brand. Uh, yes, I use it that way. Two, uh, dude, I, I use my brand and who I am to get in, in, in front of people and indoors that I don't, that would be more difficult to get in without it. Sure. You know, where <laughs> if I, you know, like, and this is another one, dude. Like I'm in a I'm in a different world, man. Like private equity world, there's not a lot of skaters here, you know. <laughs> so so think about it. It's like if I wanted to to sit at a table or get in somewhere without the pro skateboard, I'm just another Mike Taylor. Uh, it's hard to find a separation or a reason for them to even let me in. But uh, I so it's helped learned, you. Oh my gosh, I've learned how to use it to not only get in the door, but it, it's like coming in, 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 into that world, right? It's a lot of suits. It's, it's a mm -hmm. lot of, uh, it, it's a lot of, 
it's done one way, I guess you could say it. Yeah. And when I walk in, I mean, dude, nine times out of 10, I walk in like this, you know, <laughs> and these guys are looking at me like, who is this guy? And then I use the story and the leverage. And then it's like, tell me more, dude, this, you're, you're yeah. I'm so different that it's, it's become a, a strategic advantage for sure. But it started off as an insecurity. It wasn't all, always that way. I, I was, I, I didn't feel comfortable in the beginning. I have that. I had that with my, uh, my, my, my communication. So yeah. I, I, yeah, as a kid, I used to talk a lot and would never stop ranting. I hated yeah. it. Now, now I leverage it. So it's uh, so you, why'd you get into real estate? Like how did that click for you? So when I was skating, uh, you know, how I was telling you, my parents, uh, wanted me to get a job, wanted me to go to college, et cetera. Yeah. So when I, decided to go full bore at skateboarding uh my parents were kind of worried super worried actually and one of the things that made them feel comfortable was me connecting with this relationship that they had his name was randy sonata and randy managed my parents money mm. and and they were like look if you can convince randy to help you with your finances especially going into a career that doesn't have a lot of longevity in it we'll feel much way more comfortable and I was like, all right, cool. So I'm 19. I meet this guy and, uh, and in his company, he had a private equity division. They ran real estate funds. Mm -hmm. And so I had somebody come into my life and start teaching me about money, teaching me about really the foundation of it. And it was, it was more behavioral at the time. Right. And, and then once I started learning how money worked and how I could put myself even in a position to invest then he started teaching me about different investments and real estate was one of the first ones I started investing in because of him. Mm -hmm. And so when my career ended and looking at, you know, all of my investments, real estate was such a big driving force of, of my view of creating financial freedom to, the, to a point where I didn't have to work again. And so when I created this company and, and I felt like if I was going to be, teaching people about money, teaching people about opportunity and allowing people to invest with me in opportunities I'm investing in. Uh, I, I wanted there to be real estate was the thing I felt most comfortable with allowing people in with me, I guess is the easiest mm -hmm. way to say it. So that's why this one was real estate. Uh, it was just for that comfort. I, I just felt comfortable, comfortable bringing people in with me in that asset class. You had it set up beforehand for a while. So you kind of already I invested, I invested in it for a long time. Mm -hmm. And then when I started the company, uh, really cool story, but Randy, who my parents, uh, forced me to, to meet when I was 19. Mm -hmm. Um, he actually, uh, is my partner now in this company. Oh, wow. So Very almost, cool. tw almost 20 years later, uh, we That's ended up starting a company together. Yeah. It's really cool. Very interesting. So talk to us about like your worst uh, business decision. then. I want to hear about that. What do you think? What do you think makes the top three list? Or my worst? One? <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Like investment my... decision you made that you just remember like, Oh my God, not that again. Oh, there's a lot. Uh, there's truly a lot. <laughs> the, the, the first one that comes to my mind is uh, when we started St. Archer, which is a craft brewery that we did. Uh, we had to raise money for it. And we had some guy who, uh, who told us that he could help us raise money and we didn't really know how to do it at the time. So we were kind of concerned that we weren't going to be able to raise it all. And he was like, look, I have all these connections. I know all these people I can raise the money for you. And we're like, okay, cool. What's it going to take? And he's like, this is going to be, this is what I need to do it. And we're like, uh, okay, that's cool. And so we gave him a certain percentage and he didn't raise us any money. So I learned the importance of not paying people or giving them anything until they perform. Hmm. So we lost a lot of money on that. That, that was a, a big mistake and learning curve for us. So that was one, uh, God, the others. Um, I have a tendency naturally to uh, see the best in people. And mm -hmm. so when in scenarios where people are a bad fit, or uh, just aren't healthy in the group as far as growing it, uh, I have a tendency to let it go longer than it should. The, the rule of thumb is always hire very slow, fire really fast. Uh, that part is difficult for me still to this day. That's a challenge. Mm -hmm. um, 
shit, man, what else? I can get carried away with story. Like when I hear the stories and things, uh, I, I'm like, I, I think so much how a new idea can better the story and mission that sure. uh, I've learned that I can't let that outweigh uh, the actual operation of the business. Yeah, uh, yeah. I have a ton of them, man. Jeez. No, I'm uh, sure. I'm sure. Yeah. I, I would say a, another one too. I, I think the first one, the big one, uh, don't pay people until the job's done. Make it incentive based mm -hmm. is a big one too. And this was a big learning curve for me. I came from skateboarding and I was in charge of everything. Like I, I want to go shoot this. I want the trick to be done that way. I just had to worry about myself going into business. It is not an I thing. It is a team sport. And in that I had to learn how to not only communicate with people, but be comfortable giving up control, which really meant being comfortable letting other people succeed and take credit and don't be, don't, don't be so worried about myself taking all the credit uh, because you, how can I say it? So you have to learn how to leverage time, right? We mm -hmm. can only do so much in a day. It's why, it's why Elon, like we were talking about Elon, right? Elon has the same amount of time in the day as you and I, but this man is running SpaceX, Tesla, Neuralink, boring company, and they're all massive companies, right? How does he do it? If, if we all have the same time, how does he do it, right? He's created a team to leverage his time to be able to do more, right? That's, mm -hmm. the, name, that's the name of the game to, when it comes to business. But what people don't tell you is, when you allow someone else to do something, you then fight the feeling of, oh my gosh, I'm not as important. I'm not as valuable. I could be removed now. If that person's taking all the credit, I've lost my opportunity. And that insecurity right there will destroy any type of growth. So I had hmm. to learn how to be comfortable with who I am, what my talent is, what my skill set is, and be very comfortable with what my weakness is. And in knowing that, I felt very good about, okay, I'm focusing on what I'm the best at and like operations, not my thing. That is not my skill set. So you, you are my ops guy and I'm going to, I'm going to let you succeed and be the best at ops because that is not me. And, and you, you have to do that or you won't be able to build anything. Now that was a learning curve for me. That wasn't easy. That's, that's a huge lesson right there that any entrepreneur could have. Uh, do you have a process like an easy process that maybe someone that's just starting could follow to figure out what they're good at oh that's a okay that's no actually i've never thought of it like that um <laughs> I, I guess for for me uh well let's break this down i think you and i can probably yeah. figure this out right sure now. yeah let's do it um, let's do it it i would say you're your friends and family know a lot about, about you and your natural talents, right? Yeah. We just, we forget that you could be talented at one thing and be working at something that is not your talent. So I think asking people, Hey, what do you, what do you see me being good at? What do you like? What do you like about me? What do you enjoy about me? Right. And, and understand it might not make sense as far as how it moves into business, but it will make sense. So, so my friends are right. My, my I love parents, that you're saying friends. that because I just went through something recently that exactly explains that. Yeah. So, it's, it's, yeah. Yeah. so, so for me, what I've learned about myself uh, is, and, and kind of what, what my friends tell me is you're, you have a personality that attracts people. You make people feel comfortable when they're around you and people trust you. People like you, you and, and how you speak. It's engaging. Okay. Mm -hmm. What the hell does that mean for business, right? How does that tie into real estate, you know? And, and what you have to do is then go, okay, so if, if I'm naturally good at, at relationships, I'm good at talking to people, people feel comfortable around me. How could I use that to real estate? For me, how that works is a big part of what I do is raising money. With raising money, it's a people thing, it's a relationship thing, and it's a trust thing. Oh, that could be a good advantage, right? When it comes to finding opportunity, you're dealing with brokers. That's a people thing, right? Okay, yeah, I'm good at knowing people. I'm good at creating relationships. So the, the, there, you start seeing things that, that you're naturally good at, and then you could start focusing on that. So for example, 
I am not a super analytical person. I'm not a very organized person. So it makes no sense for me to being running for me to run any type of organization skill. I, there, it's it, I'd be doing everyone a disservice because it takes me four times longer than somebody who naturally does that. Now, typically, uh, uh, an ops guy or an analytical guy, they're they're usually not these, you know, personality people, right? They're usually uh, more quiet, more reserved, and don't like being out talking all the time. So it, 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 it's a good balance to, to find the thing you, you like doing and then applying. I think another thing too is like start paying attention to, to the way you get excited about things, right? Like start paying attention to the things that you do where you're like, oh yeah. Like for me example, I love this. Like I can talk to people all day long. I, I, love, yeah, 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 I love being yeah. around people. So I know there's something about people that puts me in my element and I like doing it. So mm -hmm. I know that I'm a people person, right? I think another thing too is uh, there's a personality, there's personality tests now that are so good about labeling what your skill set is. So I would say people should take, take a personality test. There's the Enneagram test that people talk about the types three, type four. That's just really good at like finding qualities about yourself. So everything you're saying, sounds by the way spot on i mean i'm kind of i'm going through it all so i can totally relate but what if somebody doesn't have the resources to bring people on and now they're going to have to wear those different hats do you have a strategy that you recommend for startups to follow to be able to quote unquote growth hack or grow faster rather than bootstrapping or or how does that work for you uh so okay <laughs> Okay, where, where can I begin on this one? So, okay, one thing is sometimes we feel like we don't have, we don't have the access to resources when we actually do. And, and the reason I say that is- We don't have the access to resources when we actually do, okay. Yeah, so, so basically a lot of times we go, uh, okay, look, I, I, I don't have any money uh, and, you know, I, I have this idea, so I can't hire people on to help me. I don't, I, I, I'm stuck to doing this myself, right? Mm -hmm. And then somebody will go, okay, well, have you thought about partnering with somebody? Or have you thought about bringing on an investor? Oh, I can't do that. I'm, I'm not capable of raising money. I, I, nobody would do this for equity in the company without me paying them. These are all things that actually can happen. We just don't think we are able to get people to help, right? Equity okay. is a big one, dude. People, yeah. people will, people will get on board if they believe in your vision, even if you don't have money to pay them. They will take equity to do that if they believe in the vision, right? Now, what I think you're asking is, okay, so how do you get to a point of you brought a couple people on to help, but you need revenue coming in to actually scale it? At, at, at that point, you really have two options: you go out and raise money and build a team based around your idea, or you slowly, slowly chip away it till revenue can support growth. It, it, it's, a, it's the age old discussion of what's best. Do I give up a part of my company so that I can go faster or do I go, go at this slow and retain more? Um, for me Would personally, you? for me personally, and, and, and this is based on my, how I, how my personality is, uh, I'm, I'm more focused on the vision than I, that is my, my biggest driving factor. So I have a hard time when I don't feel like I'm moving forward at my vision. So I always take the stance of, yeah, I, I will bring people on. I will give up part of my company. I will, I don't need to be the, the all owning everything on me because I just need to get to the vision. So I always lean towards, I'll give equity away. I'll raise money. I am, I am less concerned with uh, dilution and more concerned with getting to my overall goal of creating the vision. Hmm. That's, you know, and it's the answer, And there's no right or wrong. There's no right or wrong yeah, with this one. Yeah, yeah. There's so many variables. Then you have like a Randall Pitch, right? My, my friend Randall Pitch owns LiveFit. This mm -hmm. fool started his whole company with like $300. He's the sole owner, owns 100% of it. They're doing millions, right? And it's like, 
I could never do that. It's not my personality. It's, I'm just not built for that, but people are, and he's a good example of that. I mean, and another thing too, right? Like think about the resources we do have now that, that weren't available three years ago. Like you can hire, you can outsource anything out through a pretty cheap, like internships, right? You have digital intern or you have digital uh, assistance now that is so cheap. That is so much more cheap than hiring an actual assistant. You have people that will do your copy for you. You have, you have sales, you have a sales sales team that you can hire out. All of these things can be hired out and, and not full time. Uh, that I think a lot of it actually is available to us now. Did you, have you, have you ever, this is kind of off topic, but I just thought of it. Have you ever questioned your visions? Hell yeah. Like if they're crazy or, or if they're, yes. Yes. they don't make all sense. The, all the time. That's, I think that's natural. We just, yeah. us as the, us as the, now it's such a good point. Yes. The answer is yes. The challenge is when you're, when you're the leader and and you're in charge of keeping the team not only focused but believing in the vision, they can't see you question it. They need to believe that you believe it. So it becomes this delicate balance and why I think most entrepreneurs feel so lonely is you don't really have anybody to talk about. You're, you're playing this game in your head and you're questioning yourself, but you're having to show that you're confident and it's, uh, it's hard. It's not easy. It's not hard. It's not easy leading people. Yeah. That's a big challenge of it. That's actually a great point. I haven't thought about that in a while. Do you, do you, do you remember your first round of, uh, of capital raise? Hell yeah. How, yeah, how, I remember how was that? The, I remember. Guide me, guide me through the, the, the Mikey that's, uh, you know, has this vision is questioning himself and needs to come off confident in front of these investors, never done it before. Um, what did you do to set yourself up for success? <sighs> okay. Two parts. Uh, one, one, I, I made sure I knew how to communicate what I was doing and be able to respond to questions they were going to ask. And, hmm. and you're not, you're not always going to be able to, but the reason I said that is there's a learning curve with all of this. Right. And when it comes to raising money, uh, it's, it's a lot like sales. It's way more no's than it is. Yes. It's, it's the majority of people tell, you, no, you, 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 you have to get used to that, but in it, you're perfecting your, your pitch. Right. So if, mm-hmm. you know, if you've got to raise, like, let's just call it a million bucks, right? You got to raise a million bucks. Most people go, I need to raise a million bucks. Okay. I've got to get in front of 10 people. I need to get in front of 20 people and raise, you know, a million bucks from one of them where I was like, I'm going to get in front of 4,000 people. If I have to, I just need to get to the million <laughs> bucks. Right. And so, but, but what it did is I just used every person as a, uh, as a situation or an opportunity to better my pitch. And then what happens is every time you get better and you get better and you start seeing questions that uh, like reoccurring questions that people are asking and your answer gets better to them. And all of this just stuff starts coming together. And then before you know it, people are like, damn, you know what the hell you're talking about? Oh yeah, this is, yeah. Okay. I feel comfortable. You know, mm. it's just time. It's, it's always time. You know? Yeah, time's the game. How how long how long should someone, you know, uh, for for a novice, you know, an entrepreneur who's just looking to raise capital, how long should they put into perspective for what that time means? As far as how long should they give? Yeah, like six months, a year, they... two years, until until they like obviously depending on how much money they're raising. But say we're talking about the million dollars. You don't. Well, it, that's a good question. You don't want it to be too long because there's. When it comes to raising money, it's a tricky game, right? Nobody yeah. wants to be the nobody wants to be the first dollar in. Nobody wants to feel like you're having a hard time raising money, and so you're trying to create this urgency and leverage when you don't have any yet. And if, like, really, people are going to hear your pitch and say, "Okay, yeah, this is cool. How much how much money have you raised?" And you know, if you're raising a million bucks and you go, "Well, I've got 
$500,000 in like commitments. That's usually what people say, right? And then they go, okay, how many, how many dollars do you actually have in? Oh, about 20,000. How long have you been raising money? 12 months. That's not a good pitch, right? People yeah. are going to feel uncomfortable with the fact that other people aren't buying in. And that's really what you're up against. It's like, it's creating this, this, this feeling that people believe in your vision, but people also want to feel like other people are believing in it as well. And so for a million bucks, and, and then, and then this comes down to what you're doing. It's like, and, and what that capital is being used for. If a million bucks is, it's too hard to say. I, I, I wish I could give a direct answer to it, but no. I don't know. Yeah. yeah I don't no, know I what mean, the, I, I'm not expecting direct answers. I mean, as I said, business isn't black and white, but, you know, just out of curiosity from, uh, for us, I'll give you, I'll give you kind of what it's been like in the past. The first company we did, we raised two and a half million bucks. It took us about, uh, seven months to do it. Uh, the next company, um, so with commune, the, the first raise we did on our first building, we needed 2 million bucks and we needed it in about 30 days. That was a fast one. Uh, and, and so the benefit to this one was I had, a, we had a building under contract that we had to close in close on. So we were able to use the building as our leverage and urgency for you to get in. Hey, we're closing here. This is the building under contract. We're accepting dollars. And this is another one. This is a good one, right? If we had $30, 30 days to raise money, we told everybody we weren't collecting dollars until day 20. And so we spent the first 20 days pitching this investment and the fact that it's going to close and we're opening dollars here. And if you don't get in too bad and we're closing in 30 days. So we were able to use the time frame as urgency to get people in where sometimes when the time frame's longer, uh, like for example, if you're like, Hey, I'm raising a million bucks, Mikey. Uh, and I'm going to go, okay, cool. Uh, when are you closing? Well, in six months or when I get the first million. Okay. Well, how much do you have in right now? I don't have anything in yet. Okay, cool. Call me when you're either at five and a half months down the road or at $800,000 in, because if, the first person in, the first dollar in, gets the same uh, price that the last person in gets. It's hard to get the first investor in because, in theory, they're taking added risk for no reward. So everybody shoots to be the last person in before closing. So you're playing this this game of like it, it's like a mind game you're playing with people. It's tough, but you're it's trying fun to also. sell the vision. So it's kind of like you're kind of a salesperson, but you don't really have a product. Ra raising capital at the yeah. end of the day is sales. Raising yeah, capital no, is the same is. thing as sales. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, hey, Mikey, uh, this is this has been fun. I know uh, I can go on and on and on with you, and I feel like we'll yeah, we'll fuck up. Yeah, yeah, we'll probably do like a part two or something. But dude, where can people uh, catch you if they want to uh, reach out? Uh, okay. Probably the best place. If you get, if you get to me on Instagram, you could pretty much find me any other place. My Instagram is just Mikey Taylor. Um, if you're interested in our company, it's communecapital.com. Uh, and those are pretty much the easiest ways on Instagram. If you go there, uh, I have my number on there. You can text me, uh, hit me up. Okay. And I'm, right. I'm pretty so responsive. It takes me some time to get back to you, but I will get back to you. Well, hey, well, hey, I, that's awesome, man. I definitely, I mean, it took me about a year. So guys, forever's listening. Oh, give shit. Like, <laughs> <dog>. <laughs> give it like 365 days. Oh, I'm, I'm just messing. I'm just messing. Good, that's good. No, no, Mikey, yeah. it's been a true pleasure, man. I appreciate you uh, for being on the show, brother. All right, brother. Appreciate you as well.